Wow. So, what a event that was with NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. Absolutely shocked in the most, you know, insane way possible. But that ending, if you guys have saw that ending, man, you guys know what I'm talking about. Because I cannot stress over enough how perfect that was and how how much anticipation was put into that moment. Like, like you knew it was going to happen, but you just, you just didn't know when or how or, or what would happen with it. But damn, that was a good-ass show. Incredible takeover to kick off 2021. We are going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about Taya Valkyrie and Eli, J- Eli Drake signing the dotted line for a WWE contract. We're going to go over Impact Wrestling No Surrender uh, results, as well as me going a lot more in-depth with the AEW, Impact Wrestling, and NJPW partnership. So without any further ado, let's get to the podcast. You guys know it. It's the World of Wrestling Podcast, starring me, Tokyo. Let's do it. So, first on the board here tonight, what a fantastic takeover event that was. I mean, we had four-star, five-star matches throughout the entire night. I mean, I cannot point out a single bad match or a bad spot. I mean, I I feel like... Takeovers are supposed to be this really, really big fight feel. And this one definitely delivered on that. And I cannot wait to get to get through this card because goddamn was it amazing. So first up, we had the uh, women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals with Raquel Gonzalez, um, Shotzi Blackheart, Dakota Kai, Ember Moon. Uh, and what a match. That was to kick off the night. Raquel Dakota Kai picking up the victory here. Just just the sheer power that Raquel has, man. I'm telling you, just the power that she has. The the type of, I, I guess you can call, you know, respect that she found in the locker room backstage. And, of course, you guys like Triple H and William Regal. Like, you know it's there. You know that she's going to be the future of, of something one day. You know, whether that's the NXT Women's Championship, whether that's winning the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships with Dakota Kai, uh, you know that she is going to be a really big factor in the division because that performance was incredible. I mean, for somebody like her, somebody who has that much power, somebody who has pretty much been in the business for a pretty long time now, finally getting an opportunity to shine out like that, you you just know that she's going to take it to her fullest advantage and she's she's going to going to shine and prove the people who ever doubted her wrong. And with Dakota Kai as well, Dakota Kai put on an incredible performance as well. I mean, all four women in this match, you know, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, they did what they had to do. I mean, they had Eclipse, man, right towards the right, right towards the end of the match, you know, when Dakota Kai uh broke up the pin, I thought that was it. I thought they were going with Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. Turns out they didn't, which was a very smart idea. Because and I'm going to get you know a little bit more into detail on that here in a couple of minutes. But man, I cannot stress you guys enough how fantastic this match was to kick off the night. It really got me hype. Really got me excited to see you know the rest of them. And uh, yeah, so uh, Raquel and Dakota Kai won. Uh, they they make history. 
being the first ever women to win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament. Uh, they get a WWE Women's Tag Team Championship shot somewhere in the future, which means either Nia Jax and uh, uh, Shayna Baszler will be taking them on, or you know whoever defeats Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax with the title, if that happens, uh, is going to take them on. And I feel like this right here is a really good way to build, you know, build up the the women's tag team division within WWE. Because people know, you know, that 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 division has never been truly good and has never really been, you know, the thing that you you go and look at and say, yes, that's 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 good. That's a good division. You know, WWE, they usually have a thing of, you know, not really caring about tag teams as much which I feel like affects their product a lot because tag team wrestling, it's, it's, it's just it's just a staple. You know, you can't have, you know, you cannot have no tag team matches, you know, or, or no effort being put into your tag team division and expect the show to go completely successful in, like, the entire realm of the show. Uh, the main roster's tag team division has, has not been good whatsoever in the last year. Um, the women's tag team division, I mean... You really don't even have any tag teams for that division. I mean, you just made up Lana and uh, Naomi like a couple days ago. Um, now them being a tag team. You have Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Nobody's going to take that series as viable contenders for the title. Charlotte and Asuka, they're not necessarily even a tag team. Never really was to begin with. Just just the you know thing for Charlotte to come back and win a title. You know, who Charlotte? Um... Yeah, that's, that's, that's literally it. I mean, truly the only actual team in that division right now is Dakota Kai and Raquel, which I feel like is very underwhelming in a way of, you know, you have these, these championships, but nobody that's actually, you know, up to par with that division's standards. Not saying that the standards of the division are high or anything, but, you know, you just need to have somebody there that looks like a threat, that puts the division on the map, and I feel like Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez can really do that for the women's tag team division winning the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Cup. Uh, so yeah, fun match, um, really great way to build up the women's tag team division, like I said before. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez go after Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's on a uh, main roster show, main roster pay-per-view. Uh, could possibly be happening at even, you know, fast lane. Could happen at Elimination Chamber. Could be a WrestleMania match where, you know, they get their big moment. Um, but, you know, whatever happens, I just know that, you know, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, they have to win the titles. I mean, I feel like it's inevitable. If you want to start thinking about the future of that division, you have to look at NXT. Because NXT, they have those tag teams, you know. Uh, next up, I believe we had the NXT North American Championship match. That match blew my expectations away. You know, it really gave me a brand new, I guess, respect to Kushida. Because in the last episode, I was kind of bashing Kushida a little bit, saying that he had no character, 
that he was just a guy doing flips in the ring, right? Well, nothing really valued his character here. There was necessarily any character, you know, through, through, through this match. But what I learned through this match is that Kushida is a hell of a competitor. You know, I'm not somebody who goes around watching a Kushida match, you know, like any day of the week. If it's on, I'll watch it. But this match right here, I feel like, is a match that really showed that Kushida, if taking the time to build up, could, yes, possibly be a North American champion. Uh, Johnny Gargano, on, on, on the other hand, you can never expect a bad match out of this guy. Johnny Gargano was one of the best wrestlers in the business today. I mean, his, he's, he's flawless in the ring. A great competitor. Not the best heel. I talked about that in the last episode. Not the best heel, but he is a hell of a wrestler. Both of these guys know how to work a match. They work the match fantastically, and I cannot wait to see what goes on in the future, especially with Johnny Gargano's heel turn. Um, I talked about this earlier in the mat, in the you know last time uh, in the first episode of the podcast. You know where I didn't think that Johnny Gargano necessarily was the best option to go here as a champion right now at the moment. I mean, his, uh, the way. Let's just start with the way, all right? The way is an awesome, is an awesome faction. Candice LeRae, all right? You have Indy Hartwell, you have Austin Theory, and Johnny Gargano. That's a pretty hefty lineup. A pretty hefty lineup for a faction. And that's what makes the faction good. They have a really, really good supporting cast in Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell. You know, and I'm starting to become a huge fan, a huge, huge fan of Austin Theory. You know, and tonight, where you had, you know, the Dexter Loomis thing, when Austin Aries was coming, you know, with Johnny Gargano to the ring, Dexter Loomis, you know, kind of attacked, I guess you can say, Austin Theory technically just kidnapped him. Uh, so Candice LeRae and Andy Hartwell had to really go out and find where Austin Theory went. Uh, so Johnny Gargano was left alone in the match, but I feel like added a little bit more character development that they really needed for, you know, Johnny Gargano's heel run. Like I said, that has not been the best. Uh, for Kushida, though, he's a really good babyface, alright? I don't want to get anybody, you know, hyped up or anything about this, but he's a good babyface. Alright, and whatever negative things that I said about Kushida, they might still stand, but in the in-ring aspect, you know, just being inside of the ring, being a wrestler, a standalone wrestler, you know, disbanding a character, disbanding, you know, somebody actually having something that you can really work upon more than just a wrestling match. Uh, I still believe that he doesn't have that, but I still think that he has time to develop into something bigger in this match on a big stage for a big title with somebody like Johnny Gargano really put eyes on him and hopefully get some type of, you know, whatever he needs to, to, to just skyrocket his career. Next up is uh, MSK, Grizzle Young Veterans, the Men's Dusty Tag Team Classic Finals. That match, one of the best tag team matches that I have seen in 2021, may be the best tag team match that I have seen in 2021. For several reasons. These guys, their styles are completely different. Uh, you have MSK, you have the high flyers, you have grizzly young veterans, and pound the ground and pound guys. 
the guys that like to keep to the ground. They meshed their styles together. They made this match incredible. Just amazing to the words that I can't even explain it. You know, you know, you, 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 you know those matches where like you you can't predict it. You can't pre- you couldn't predict this match. All right, maybe you could have predicted the, the outcome of the match, but I don't think anybody ever expected this match to live up to this type of expectation that we have now. I mean, absolutely insane. High dives, man. I'm, I'm talking about Des. Sorry, Wesley, not Desmond Xavier, but Wesley. He almost died in that match, man. I'm telling you. Nash Carter, Wesley. A hell of a tag team. And Grizzly Young Veteran, James James Drake, Zach Gibson. Hell of a wrestler. You know, hell of a team. A hell of a group. Just two guys that you don't necessarily look at, you know, as being guys that would really work well in a match. Do. And I don't... It's really hard to explain. It's really, really hard to explain uh, how good these guys were. You know, you just have to watch it. You know, Grizzly Young Veterans, you you think of them as the guys, you know, who keep it really technical. The guys who like to keep it on the ground, on the mat. You know, they were up there doing doing suicide dives. They were up there doing hurricanranas. You know, they were going absolutely ballistic in the, in, in, in the ring. And then you had, you know, MSK, uh, Wesley... Nash Carter, you know, just just really, really, I guess, exposing more more than what they can do, you know, because I see people on Twitter talking about how they're just acrobatic, you know, they're just, act, they're just guys who just jump and do flips, right? This right here added on to their moveset, added on to their moveset, something that they really, really needed, you know, for people to gain the respect for them. You know, because like I said, people on Twitter bashing them for, you know, only doing these flips, only doing these crazy, you know, tricks and stuff to to wow the audience. You know, some things that not not most of the fan base really enjoys. But in this match, Grizzly Young Veterans put over these guys in the best way that they that, that they possibly could. Uh MSK took took the victory here. Uh won the men's Dusty Rhodes tag team classic. Becoming the sixth team to win the tournament, uh, getting an NXT Tag Team Championship match somewhere in the future. So Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, you already know what type of tag team they are. You already know the type of moveset that that tag team has. Once again, completely different than Wesley and Nash Carter. Completely different from from MSK. Uh, it's it's going to be probably hopefully a similar type of match, but you know with uh, with Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, they're they're true technicians. Like when you step into a ring with them, you expect some bones to get, you know, stretched out. I mean, you expect some muscles to, you know, get get really tight. You expect those type of moves from them. And then you have MSK. Guys that you expect those those suicide dives from. Guys you expect those four fifties from. Guys you expect those frog splashes from. I can't wait for this match. Hopefully it comes sooner rather than later because I, I, I really want to see what these two guys have in store for, you know, the future. MSK coming from the, in, coming from the independence, 
you know, getting this really huge push that not a lot of people really thought that they would get immediately right off the bat. They're what, three, four weeks? I think like four weeks into actually being on the WWE product, and they're already getting a tag team championship match. I mean, if that's not a fantastic push, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe they're overexposing MSK a little bit, but, you know, I feel like me being a huge fan of them, it doesn't really affect me at all whatsoever because I, I, I love the guys. I loved them when they were in Impact Wrestling. I loved them when they were wrestling in Warrior Wrestling. You know, uh, you know when they're little Chicago indies, I just I really enjoyed these guys wrestling. So hopefully they get the tag team championship match and they really shine on that one as well. Uh, next up, Io Shirai defeated Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez to retain the NXT Women's Championship. And this match, I do have to say, was pretty short. Really, really short. I mean, you look at, you know, people like Tony Storm, Mercedes Martinez, Io Shirai, you expect this really long match. Or at least I do. I expect this long match. And I expect, you know, these two, these three women to go out there and have this, this, this epic classic. You know, about 25 possibly 30 minutes, you know, of just, just straight, uh, like, going at it, you know, that's not necessarily what we got here, Io Shirai, I will say, looked fantastic in this match, and probably the best that she's looked, you know, from a, from an in-ring standpoint, since she's won the title, you know, doing the, doing the insane dives, you know, I, I feel like Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez, you know, put, Io Shirai on a level that she she hasn't just quite yet was able to reach, but I feel like this match right here with them, you know, being in the forefront, putting her over, did wonders for her career and her title run. Uh, it's now it's it's now kind of hard to see who will take the championship away from Io Shirai in the future. Um, I still have hope to that Tony Storm will be the woman to take away the title. But then again, you know, we have Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez, who, who, who you really think has a viable op- opportunity at it, you know, has, has, has a viable chance. But she's busy with the Women's Tag Team Championship, uh, just winning the, the Dusty uh, Cup with Dakota Kai. So it kind of leaves the women's division in sort of like a, I guess, a change. You know, yeah, you can like intersect these two. These two storylines with Raquel and having her go after, you know, Shirai as well. But I feel like that wouldn't, that wouldn't mesh well. So the only person that I can really think take the title at this moment, and can challenge her still, would be Tony Storm, because Tony Storm, you know, she comes back to NXT, she makes it clear that she wants that NXT cha- that NXT Women's Championship, and she makes it clear that she is going to be the NXT Women's Champion. I feel like that's the only only answer that I have right now for that, for the future. But congratulations to Io Shirai. That was a really great performance by her. Pretty lackluster by Mercedes Martinez, I do have to say, though. I was kind of disappointed in the things that she did. I mean, she wasn't really that that active in the match, is what I'm trying to say. You know, so I feel like this is a good building point, a good block to have, you know, another Tony Storm and Io Shirai match somewhere down in the future. And finally... The main event. Oh boy, I'm going to have to take a sip of water for this one. 
<laughs> the main event. Wow. We have to appreciate greatness where greatness is due. I want to sit here and take a five-second moment of silence right now to just embrace Pete Dunne and Finn Balor for what the hell they just put on. A clinic. I'm telling you, an absolute clinic. Five stars in my book. Five stars. One of the best technical wrestling matches that I have seen in the last five years. That is not a joke. One of the best technical wrestling matches that I have seen in the last half decade. These guys lived up to the expectation. I was, I was sitting there watching this match, talking to a couple of friends, you know, just, just embracing it. You know, you don't see something like that on your TV every single week. You know, you don't see something that amazing, that type of masterpiece every week. The joint manipulations, you know, <laughs> the fucking incredible close, close counts. I mean, these, these matches on this entire card were insane. But this main event right here, this main event had probably one of the biggest fight feels in NXT since they moved over to cable television, which is in, insane to think about, right? Insane to think about. In the last two years, this is probably one of the biggest fight feel matches that NXT has had. And boy, oh boy, did that live up to expectations. An absolute battle these men went through. From opening bell to the ending. Just just incredible British strong style wrestling. Submission clinic. I mean, you were talking about these guys going completely edit. Fearless the entire match. A perfect story in the match. I and mean, you have these two guys that were bound to meet somewhere. First time ever. And you get it at an NXT TakeOver main event. First time ever, something that was bound to happen happened and lived up to the hype and the expectation of the wrestling community. What else can you say about that? You can't say nothing about that. Now, what leads to the future? Finn Balor retained the NXT Championship against Pete Dunne. Now, what happened after the match? Is where I feel like the big selling point of the entire show was. Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, Danny Burch, they pretty much attack Finn Balor. You know, beat beat the hell out of him. You know, beat him to like a bloody pulp. Right after the match, right after a celebration. Then you got the undefeated era. You have Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, and Adam Cole. They fight off, you know... Oni Lorcan, Danny Burch, Pete Dunne, they exit the ring, they, they leave, they go to the back. Now you have the Undisputed Era, you have Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly, Finn Balor, they have this sort of respect, you know, Kyle O'Reilly helping Finn Balor up, shaking their hands, you know, giving Finn Balor the spotlight that he deserved. Kyle O'Reilly really looking at Finn Balor as some sort of a mentor, I guess you can say it in some type of aspect, you know, being a guy that's extremely respectable. You know, Finn Balor goes to put his hands up, you know, do, do his little sis, little signature thing here. And wow, 
what happened after that? Super kick by Adam Cole. Super kick by Adam Cole to Finn Balor. <laughs> this has to be one of the most shocking and most incredible things that I have seen in wrestling in the last year. Absolutely incredible. I can't think of one moment where I'm sitting here trying to think of a million different ideas on where they can go with this story. You you talk about the sheer shock factor. They, uh, Undisputed Era tonight, they 100% shocked the system. And for more than one reasons. After the super kick to Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly is talking to, you know, Adam Cole, asking him why did he do it, this and that. Then there you go, bam, another super kick to Kyle O'Reilly. Is the Undisputed Era over? Is the Undisputed Era done? That is the question that's on everybody's mind. Roderick Strong, however, in the corner looking absolutely confused on whose side he should take at this time. I mean, you have Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor, you know, pretty much wasted down on the ground after two super kicks by Adam Cole. Adam Cole now looking at this, like, this heel turn, but not a heel turn with the era. A solo Adam Cole. A solo Adam Cole that I'm pretty sure everybody in the wrestling community has wanted to see ever since he went to NXT. Now disbanding from the Undisputed Era and WWE's accounts and everything have been saying this is the end of the Undisputed Era. And if it is, then we are definitely 100% going to be getting Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. And if you've seen their matches in Ring of Honor, if you've seen their rivalry in Ring of Honor, you know what we have in front of us. An incredible, fantastic, fantastic, god damn it, I cannot express to you how good that match was at Final Battle 2016 in Ring of Honor with Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. I cannot tell you how good these guys work a match. You have to watch it for yourself in order to believe it. You know, there's so many... There's so many things that could come out of this. You know, you have Kyle O'Reilly who deserves a singles run. Adam Cole who deserves that singles run as well. You know, you have Roderick Strong who's sort of, who's sort of the middleman in, the, in, in, in all of this. You know, he's sort of the guy who just people look at as, you know, why is he really here at this point, you know? But if they do go in, an, in a direction where, you know, Roderick Strong does stay with Kyle O'Reilly... You can have Finn Balor come in as that brand new leader for the Undisputed Era and have that rivalry with Adam Cole, eventually putting Adam Cole up to the main roster where I feel like he's destined to be. A lot of possibilities to come. A lot of great storytelling I have a feeling is about to come. And it's just, just one reason why NXT is just, is just great at what it does, you know? So in conclusion, a beautiful show, a beautifully paced show, beautifully written show, you know, just a greatly booked, a greatly booked show. I mean, there's really nothing else to explain it as just fantastic. I'm not saying that it was the greatest NXT pay-per-view that we have ever seen, but it has been the best NXT TakeOver pay-per-view that we have seen in the pandemic era. And I will stand strongly by that statement. It beats out in your house. It beats out TakeOver, what, 31? 
it takes out, you know, uh, whatever takeovers that we have. I completely forgot. Well, it takes out war games, you know. These guys put on a war. A clinic. An absolute demolition. And I am very, very proud to say that I witnessed that live. Next up, though, we have a lot more to talk about with Taya Valkyrie signing with WWE. Eli Drake signing with WWE, which we're going to get to right here in a second after we talk about Taya Valkyrie. Taya Valkyrie coming from Impact Wrestling, being probably the hottest women's free agent in wrestling right now, you know, aside from Tessa Blanchard, which who I feel like will eventually make her way into WWE as well, but Taya Valkyrie, if you've seen her run in, you know, AAA, you've seen it in Lucha Underground, you've seen it in Impact Wrestling, you know that she is a fantastic wrestler, she has this, she has this great vibe to her, you know, she can work a match, she can, you know, really work that heel and face ratio perfectly. You know, she, she can be the person that you can rely on to either be a face or a heel to get the crowd to hate you or get the crowd to love you. I mean, she's, she's one of the most talented wrestlers in the world. And, I'm, and I, I can stand by that statement because, you know, what she's done for the Impact Knockouts division back in Impact Wrestling was, was fantastic. I mean, her rivalry with Tessa Blanchard was what probably one of the best women's feuds that we've gotten out of that company ever, you know, right there up with the greats of Awesome Kong and, and Gail Kim, in my opinion, you know, me being a huge Impact fan, uh, so her signing with the WWE just adds on to that, to that really big women's roster that they have going for them, and will just add on to an even more stacked NXT women's roster as well, now whatever happens to her inside of, you know, the company as an, as an on-screen role is soon yet to come, but hopefully she does great things. Uh, I did hear that she was also at the current set of NXT tapings that took place, I believe, either this week or last week, so hopefully we'll be able to see her debut here coming soon on television. Uh, next up is Eli Drake. He's officially signed with the WWE. And I'm very excited for this one as well. I mean, two, two Impact Wrestling alumni coming in to the WWE, making huge headwave. Eli Drake making a pretty surprising uh, debut on the Vengeance Day kickoff show, uh, of all places. Pretty much setting his eyes on the North American Championship. Uh, no longer going by the name of Eli Drake, now LA Knight, which... I know a lot of people are going to hate that name, you know, say that it's not as, that's, it's not realistic enough. L.A. Knight, it's an alright name, you know, his nickname, I can definitely see it, but I do hear rumors that, you know, he was the guy to say, I want a name change, and, you know, he got this name change, he seems pretty happy, I mean, he still has the, you know, it's, it's Eli Drake, you know, it's L.A. Knight, I mean, he still has everything that makes him you know, a fantastic character and a fantastic wrestler. Uh, so, seeing him show up in NXT was just was just great. I mean, there's nothing else about it. I mean, seeing him, you know, with the potential matches that we can get out of Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Timothy Thatcher, 
you know, just the guys that are named off the top of my head, you know, it, it, it can be a huge, huge career within the company. Hopefully, the company knows what they have in, in, in Eli Drake because, you know, Eli Drake, he is a great wrestler. I mean, he put the NWA on the map back in 2018 when they started to revive the company. Not sure what the hell happened to the company now. I mean, we're probably talking about that soon here in another episode. But, you know, he, he picked up the momentum for the NWA. It was probably their first major, major signing alongside James Storm. So, he knows how to work a crowd. Knows how to work a match as well with everybody else that, that I've been talking about. I mean, just adding on to the depth of the NXT roster. Adding on, just adding on. I mean, this, this is what the company needs if they're going to, you know, challenge with AEW, you know, on, on the same night. Getting up guys like Ty Valkyrie and getting up guys like Eli Drake, now going by the name LA Knight. These guys can really pick up ratings and actually viable competition to AEW, which will be fantastic. I mean, seeing these guys, people, you know, the ratings go down a lot, uh, getting these two major signings and possibly debuting here in the next couple of weeks uh, will be great to see. But I can't wait to see what Eli Drake or LA Knight has in store for that North American title picture that he was talking about, though, during the kickoff show uh, tonight on Vengeance Day. But... We will see what happens in the future because <laughs> I am a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of both of these people, and I cannot wait for their careers to kickstart here in the WWE. Alright, next up we got uh, Impact Wrestling. No Surrender, 2021. Uh, a very very entertaining card uh personally i did not necessarily watch the whole show but i will be going over the results of it you know just to keep you guys informed uh so we had uh i think it was nine matches not quite sure but i'm pretty sure that there was nine matches on the card let me just try to pick up this card figure out what the hell happened on that show um so we're gonna start with DK and Triple XL and Tanil Dashwood uh from what I've heard from what I saw a decent match uh you know obviously I'm gonna see you know a couple of things on you know Instagram Twitter and stuff you know people talking about it um didn't hear much about it but you know, from what it from what it did, you know, it it, it did. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else that I can really say about that. But uh, DK defeated Triple XL Antonio Dashwood, which was you know, all right. It it it, it did what it had to do. Uh, next up was Matt Cardona and Eddie Edwards taking on Brian Myers and Hernandez. The result of that match was Brian Myers and Hernandez picking up the victory on Matt Cardona and Eddie Edwards, which was actually pretty surprising in my opinion. I thought that Matt Cardona was going to get that big victory, but looks like they're actually serious on getting, you know, Brian Myers at that sort of star power that he kind of deserved and kind of needs at, at this point if they want to, you know, push him into being this big star. 
Uh, but next up, we got Jake something uh, versus Cody Diener. Uh, a weird match here. I've seen this match. You know, it wasn't really that long. Uh, but Jake something defeated Diener, which I feel like was a really interesting decision. You know, going off the fact that, you know, you would expect Diener to take a victory here, you know, to add on to the rivalry that they have going, possibly adding uh, Jake something into Violent by Design. But whatever Impact Wrestling is trying to do here, uh, I'll respect it. But, I mean, I'm not necessarily going to like, like the decision. You know, I do wish that, you know, Cody Diener could have had that that little pinfall victory, but I guess we didn't get to see it. Uh, next up was the Triple Threat Revolver match. I, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, so the Triple Threat Revolver match with Josh Alexander, uh, Willie Mack, Trey Miguel, Blake Christian, Ace Austin, Davari, Suicide, and I'm pretty sure others. I'm not necessarily sure off the top of my head, but this was a very, very shocking match. It is a smart idea, really smart idea from Impact to actually be this innovative in 2021, coming up with a brand new match type, which did fantastic for for you know what it what it had to be. Josh Alexander picking up the victory here, which surprised me a lot. You know, of course, I'm 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 a huge fan of Josh Alexander. Uh, I, I do think that he has world championship potential. I do think that he can become a world champion in Impact Wrestling. Uh, he has this kind of Kurt Angle vibe to him. You know, to where, you know, if he is taken seriously, he will be able to, you know, be a serious threat to the roster and be that guy to hold the title, hopefully in the future. Uh, he does get a victory here, which now places him. And so the X Division Championship, uh, you know, kind of picture becoming the number one contender. So we are going to be able to see uh, TJP and Josh Alexander face for the X Division Championship, which I do believe that Josh Alexander should get the victory of. He should definitely be the guy to you know take that X Division Championship and you know have that little technical style of wrestling come back to the X Division title. Because I don't, I don't necessarily think that uh, they they kind of had that in a pretty long time. So next up, we it was a uh, flavor and fire and flavor uh, defeating Havoc and Nevaeh to retain the Impact uh, Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Like I said, the match you know before it served its purpose. Uh, it did what it had to do. You know I can't really talk about it because I have not watched the pay-per-view, um, but I'm just reading off the results. I'm actually just now figuring out some of these winners here, uh, but Fire and Flavor did defend and defeat Havoc and Nevaeh, uh, for the titles. Uh, like I said in the last episode of the podcast, I'm a huge fan of Havoc and Nevaeh. I think if you want to build a, a, a tag team title around someone, it should be them because they're like, they're a really viable tag team. They have that character. They have that mystique to them of, you know, and it's sort of unstoppable force. But I feel like these these two losses to uh, Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan sort of puts them in a little position to where you know they're not going to be taken as serious as they were previously. 
So that that does kind of suck in that sort of aspect. But congratulations to Tasha Steeles and uh, Kira Hogan for retaining those titles. Next up was uh, TJP defending the X-Vision title against Rohit uh, with Mahabali Shira in his corner. I did see a glimpse of this match. You know, it's a TJP match. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, what do you expect from a TJP match? You know, other than great wrestling. Uh, you know, the match started off pretty pretty wild and ended up outside of the ring for a while. Uh, got back into the ring. TJP picked up the victory, retains the title against Rohit. Uh, pretty much, you know, cementing Rohit out of the x title picture for the moment. Uh, hopefully, repackage comes because, you know, his character has been getting a little bit stale. If not, you know, we, we, we can some, somewhere, somehow, uh, continue him into the x you know, sort of sort of bubble that we have going on now with Josh Alexander now uh, putting himself uh, into this sort of, you know, bubble uh, with TJP and the x Championship by winning that Triple Threat Revolver match earlier in the night. Next up was Jordan Grace, Jazz, and ODB taking on Deanna Perrazzo, Kimberly, and Susan. Now, this match, not really sure what it what it really, you know, what was the purpose of it. Uh, but it was there. Like I said, served its purpose. I mean, there's not much that I can really talk about since I didn't necessarily see the match. But uh, having the knockouts women's champion, knockouts champion, the, the, you guys understand me, right? The Impact Knockouts champion, Deanna Perrazzo lose this match was kind of a little bit of a little bit of a questionable decision like I I, I do understand Jazz ODB they're current they're current of legends you know they're legends in, in, in the business and you know Jordan Grace you know she's a really big fan favorite I do feel like Deanna Perrazzo Kimberly and Susan should have really picked up that victory there you know simply for the fact that she is the knockouts champion. You know, I don't think that she should be taking losses like this, especially to people like Jazz and ODB, not knocking them whatsoever. I'm just saying, you know, if you want to build up new talent, you have to give those new talent a platform to actually, you know, show what they have. And I feel like that this match didn't necessarily do what it had to do. But uh, from what did happen, I can tell that Susan will probably uh, get, get kicked off the show and probably return a Sue Young or a Susie once more. Next up is the Impact Tag Team Titles Triple Threat Match with uh, James Storm and Chris Sabin uh, taking on Private Party uh, with the Good Brothers. Fun match, you know. There was there was one point in this match where I genuinely thought that Private Party was going to win that title. I mean, I I genuinely thought that they were going to win the. The, the, the tag team championships. I mean, Matt Hardy got involved, you know, planting with you know Storm and with 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 the twist of fate, you know, hit James Storm with the twist of fate. Doesn't that just give you some sort of nostalgia right there? Uh, but it is it is a fun, fun match. You know, the Good Brothers de- defeated Private Party. Uh, you know, the the Private Party took the pin. Uh, Should have been James Storm. Or Chris Sabin taking the pen most most should have been 
Chris Saban. I don't know if that like triggers somebody, but I do believe that Chris Saban should have took the pin here, simply for the fact that you know he's past his prime. Uh, he should be there to you know put put, put some people over. Uh, you know, having the Good Brothers defeat Private Party, you know, via pinfall, I feel like adds on to a brand new story for the titles, which should be fun, should be really great, and uh, hopefully leads down to the future of Private Party winning the Impact Tag Team titles, so that this whole AEW Impact Invasion storyline really gets into full throttle. Next up, the main event of the night, Tommy Dreamer, Rich Swan for the Impact World Championship. Now, Tommy Dreamer is an incredible, incredible icon in, 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 in wrestling. And, you know, celebrating his 50th birthday with the world title match, you know, unfortunately, getting a loss here uh, kind of did hurt me in a way. You know, I, I really... <sighs> I really wanted Tommy Dreamer to win this match. Not just for me being biased, but he genuinely deserved it. And I know he's 50 years old. I know he's far, far, far past his prime. But, you know, just giving that that little bit of stardom, you know, right before somebody retires, uh, just just would be fun. would be a really feel-good moment. But, you know, Rich Wine, the Moose storyline, I know that that wasn't going to happen, so I kept my expectations a little bit lower than what they, what they really needed to be, I suppose. Uh, but Rich Swan, like I said, he defeated uh, Tommy Dreamer to retain the Impact World Championship. And, you know, a, a fun match. I'm not necessarily that mad about it. Uh, after the match, you know, Moose attacked Tommy Dreamer, kind of resetting their feud from Slammiversary back in 2020, uh, which was kind of a cool feeling there. I'm not necessarily sure, though, what is up with uh, Tommy Dreamer. You know, Impact has hinted that he is going towards retirement, which if he if he is, you know, best of luck on retirement, Tommy. I, so, sometimes I can't imagine, you know, wrestling without these legends, you know, but I feel like that's just me getting older and the people that I grew up watching wrestling uh, just are, are kind of fading away now. And this, this whole new generation is coming up. Um, but Tommy Dreamer is a true legend in the business. And if this is it for Tommy Dreamer, then thank you. You know, thank you for giving us some of the most extreme moments in wrestling history. Thank you for that, for that Rhino feud. <laughs> thank you for the Raven feud. Uh, thank you for that RVD match. I mean, there's so many things that I could talk about, you know, over and over again from ECW to, you know early 2010s uh, Impact Wrestling. It's just, you know, Tommy Dreamer, he's, he's, he's a guy that, that's full of charisma. You know, it's hard to hate Tommy Dreamer. And I, I feel like, you know, seeing him go out on a loss, but a, a pretty significant loss. Uh, but, you know, if this is how he wants to go out, I 100% respect it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a beauty. You know, he, he gets his world title match, 50 years old. And then he, he calls it quits after the new guy pretty pretty much goes over him. So, respect to Tommy Dreamer. Like I said, if this is it, thank you. You will forever be a legend. And will forever be living in the hearts of hardcore wrestling fans. And now, 
to something that a lot of people have been talking about. The door has been kicked open. New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling seemingly have a brand new partnership with the AEW thing coming now. David Finley and Juice Robinson are headed to Impact Wrestling. I'm extremely excited for this simply for the fact that I'm a huge fan of both David Finley and Juice Robinson. So it's going to be an incredible, incredible thing, you know, for the hardcore fan base, you know. You know, you know the hardcore fan base, right? (laughs) But, no, I mean, it's really cool to see what these companies are doing, really giving these, you know, guys a spotlight. But, like I said in my last, you know, previous podcast, it can hurt them in the future, in the long run. But for the moment, I do not mind having David Finley and Juice Robinson, you know, come to Impact Wrestling. Sort of like this invitation from the company, which is really cool to see. I mean, there's a lot of potential matches that we can see from, you know, the Good Brothers to Ace Austin and Madman Fulton to, uh, I'm not necessarily sure how many tag teams there are anymore in Impact Wrestling. I mean, we've, we've, we've lost a lot. But, you know, the Good Brothers and Ace Austin and Madman Fulton are pretty much two of the guys that I would love to see David Finley and uh, Juice Robinson go after. As well as Kazuchika Okada coming over from Japan, going to make his Impact Wrestling return somewhere down in the future. I'm pretty excited for that. Can't wait to see what that has in store. Should be fun. I mean, this whole Impact AEW, you know, little, little uh, Impact Wrestling partnership going on, New Japan, it benefits the hardcore fan base so much, but it really neglects a lot of the casual audience. You know, like I said in the last podcast, there's, there's not a lot of people that are going to know who these guys are. And not a lot of people are going to get very excited over these guys. You know, you have to approach this into a different direction on introducing these guys instead of, you know, putting them as a, in a position to where, you know, you're automatically thinking that your viewers know who they are. You know, for me, I'm lucky enough to know who David Finley and Juice Robinson are. But say you're a casual who, have, who has access TV, flip to the channels Tuesday nights, you look on there. And, you know, you're a casual to the, to the show. You know, you watch it every Tuesday night, but you don't go really in-depth on it. You see David Finley and Juice Robinson come out here, and you're like, wait a second. Who are these guys? Why are they being built up as these superstars? Then now you're going to get a little bit confused, which is what I was talking about with Kenta in my last episode. Uh, you know, because Kenta coming into AEW, not having that really big match with John Moxley and Lance Archer and Kenny Omega... You know, that was something that I'm pretty sure not a lot of people in the casual audience knew what was really going on. Or why was John Moxley having that, that New Japan United States Championship belt? You know, where did that come from? Why is he holding it? So I feel like they need to go a different approach. You know, find a sort of a different, a different method at, you know, showcasing these guys. But, you know, so much respect to them for trying to put on a great show with these three companies uh, and hopefully you know that that can 
work successfully. But as we've seen before, you know, with uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan, that kind of fell out. Uh, now Ring of Honor is pretty much left in the dirt, which I will talk about Ring of Honor in one episode. I, I, I really want to do an exclusive episode just talking strictly about Ring of Honor because Ring of Honor is incredibly underrated right now. Probably the most underrated show in professional wrestling today. And I will talk about that in the next episode. But for now, you know, Ring of Honor pretty much left in the dirt from all these companies uh, due to that New Japan partnership. And, you know, pretty much AEW coming in and snatching up half their roster, right? So it needs to affect them in the long run and not just in the short term. You know, I'm really looking out for the company's future instead of the now. Which I feel like most of them aren't necessarily looking after. Uh, but, you know, more power to them. That's all I really have to say is more power to them if they, if they want to go down this direction. Uh, but, I feel like that's all that I have to talk about here tonight. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It's been Tokyo. Uh, we did go over NXT TakeOver. Uh, we went over Ty Valkyrie and Eli Drake signing with uh, WWE. Uh, we talked about Impact Wrestling No Surrender and the AEW Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling Partnership. Not really in-depth, but to a degree to where hopefully it summarizes up what I was trying to say in the last episode. So with that, thank you for watching, listening, whatever y'all are doing right now. Uh, thank you guys for joining in tonight, and I will see you guys in the next one. Take it easy. This has been the World of Wrestling Podcast.